Welcome. Uh, Happy Easter. Uh, My name is Anthony. I am pastor here at Free Church. And if you're joining us online, I want to welcome you. I know um, our church home in uh, the Oklahoma City area, they are joining live today. I want to welcome you guys, and we are so thrilled that you are here joining us live as well. Um, One of our assistant pastors and I were there just a few weeks ago. We miss you, love you, and we'll be there again soon. And um, I'm here today to talk a little bit about this idea of freedom. Um, If you're new to our church, we have just changed today from being known as Fellowship Church to being Free Church. And I want to talk about uh, why, whether you're a part of our church or not, I think that freedom is is very important in the context in which we're talking about. And so there's a passage of scripture I'd like to point out to you. Uh, It's called um, a book called Galatians, chapter 5, verse 1. The Apostle Paul, he writes this about what we have in Jesus. He says, for freedom, Christ has set us free. He says, stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to the yoke of slavery. So we as followers of Jesus, as people who are uh, pushing into Christ, trusting in Jesus, Paul, the scriptures, they are reminding us it is for freedom that Jesus set us free. He wants us to be free. He wants us to experience freedom. He does not want us to submit again to slavery. And so we have to ask the question, basically, um, freedom from what? And freedom of what? And freedom to what? What is this freedom we're talking about? And on Easter Sunday, what does it have to do with Easter? Well, Easter, um, really what we're doing is we are celebrating the most significant event in human history. What we are celebrating, what we are honoring, what we are bringing attention to is the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Following Jesus' virgin birth, following his sinless life, following his crucifixion, three days later, the crucifixion and then the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We're talking about the Son of God taking on the sins of the world. We're talking about the Son of God bearing all of the wrath and punishment for our sins from the Father on himself. And at Easter, we are celebrating the victorious defeat of of Jesus over Satan, sin, hell, and death. And what the resurrection of Jesus is, the resurrection of Jesus is the proof that Jesus is who he said he is, the Son of God, God in the flesh. It's proof that Jesus did what he came to do, to forgive the sins of man. And it is also proof, first and foremost, that Jesus is free of sin because death could not hold him down. It is proof that Jesus is free from death because he is now very much alive. And so because that is the freedom that we celebrate, Jesus extends this freedom to us. And so the freedom that we possess, that we walk in in Jesus, here's the three big points for today, is that in Christ you are free from certain things. Free from certain things. And so if you could just think for a minute... Maybe not anything to do spiritually or with Jesus, but what are some things you are free from? Things you are free from. Some of you um, students, as the school year is wrapping up, you are looking forward to a summer where you are free from uh, homework. Um, And your parents will dump a bunch of chores on you instead. Uh, So there's things that you are free from. But there's also things that you are free of. And so ask yourself, what are some things, Christian or not, that I am free of? of, and that is different than being free from. And then most importantly, what are the things that you are free to do? So you are free from things, 
you are free of things and you are free um, to things. And that's what we're going to discuss for the few moments that we have together this morning, this Easter Sunday. Uh, And I want to talk about how we're free from, of, and to. And we are only free, first and foremost, we are only free in Christ. This idea of being in Christ, it's, it's a strange concept, but to be in Christ means that we trust in Christ. To be in Christ means that we follow Jesus. And so it says in John 8, verse 31, Jesus says this, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. So Jesus says, stay in my word, stay in me, stay with me. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples. And Jesus says, if you do this, if you abide in me, then you will know the truth. What is truth? Well, Jesus said of himself, he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And Jesus says, if you abide in me, you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. That's where that phrase comes from. Jesus says, when you know the truth, which is him, the truth sets you free. And so the question is, again, free from what? The disciples answered Jesus, and they said this. They said, we are descendants of Abraham. We've never been slaves to anyone. How do you say, Jesus, that you will become free when when we're not slaves? And this is how Jesus answers. He says, truly I say to you, everyone who practices sin is a slave to sin. The slave does not remain in the house forever, but the son remains forever. And this is, again, a, a popular phrase, church or no church, where Jesus says, if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. So Jesus tells us here what it is that we are free in him from, and he says specifically we are free from sin. And so here's just a brief list of some things that in Christ you can be free from, and the number one thing you can be free from, according to Jesus, according to his word, is that you can be free from sin. And so look at this verse on the screen or on your screen at home with me, Romans 8, 2. Uh, And we'll look through verse 4. Paul says this about being free in Christ. He says, the law of the Spirit, that's the Holy Spirit. The law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. Jesus sets us free from the law of sin and death. So in Christ, you are free from sin. What does that mean? It means you are forgiven of sins. You are forgiven of your sins because Jesus took the penalty for your sins. You are forgiven of your sins, from your sins, because Jesus became sin, took the punishment for your sin, and now you are forgiven. And you may ask, am I forgiven of my past sins? Yes. Am I forgiven of the sins I'm committing now? You might be thinking, I'm not committing any sins right now. That's the sin of deception. Uh, we're, We're sinning constantly, and we're forgiven of those sins, and we're even forgiven of the sins we've yet to commit in Christ. You are free from sin, and because our sins are forgiven, we have been freed from uh, death as well. It says you're free in Christ from the law of sin and death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. So why do we die? It's because of sin. Why do we die? It's because we fall short of God's expectations. And when we remove ourselves away from the very giver of life, only death remains. And so in Jesus, we are free from death. So you're free from sin. You're free from death. And well, what else are you free from? Well, Scripture tells us that after death, there is judgment. 
And after judgment, apart from God, we are due to experience eternity separated from God in in a real, literal place that Jesus talks about more than he does heaven uh, called hell. And hell is not a popular concept. But Scripture tells us that it's not God's desire that any would perish in hell, but that all would come to repentance, that all would come to know life in and through Jesus Christ. And so in Revelation, the very last book of the Bible, chapter 1, Jesus says this. He says, fear not, I am the first and the last. He says, I am the living one. I died and behold, I am alive forevermore and I have the keys of death and this this New Testament first century concept of, of Hades. I have the keys of death and eventually hell. In Jesus, you are free from sin, from death, and from hell. Romans 5 says, God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. It says, since therefore we have been justified by his blood, we're forgiven, we're justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. So in Jesus, sin does not have dominion over you. In Jesus, death is not the end of your story. In Jesus, hell is not your destiny. In Jesus, you are free from sin, hell, and death. And because of these things, we are not just free from things, but you are also free of things as well. And the one thing that most people suffer with that I interact with as a pastor and a counselor most of all is this thing that we call shame. Shame or condemnation. In Christ, you are free of shame. If you could pause for a minute, you might ask, what what am I ashamed of? And and think about that. What are some things you carry shame from, of, over in your life? Scripture tells us in Christ, you're free of shame. The Bible says uh, of this very concept, it says there is, Romans 8, 1, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, does that mean we ought to continue in living in continuous sin and shame? That's not what it means, but it means we're free from sin so that we can be free of shame. So in Christ, you are forgiven. You see, a lot of people don't believe Jesus can forgive them of their sins because they've never forgiven themselves. And it's not that you need to forgive yourself more than Jesus needs to forgive you, but I don't believe you can fully experience the forgiveness Jesus offers to you if you can't find a way to forgive yourself of the things that you are ashamed of. And so in Christ, you are free of shame. So you're free from sin, death, and hell. Free in Christ, free of shame. And then here are the things that you are free to do. You say, well, what what am I free to do now that I'm in Christ? What, What do I have the ability to do? First and foremost, you are free to love. Free to love. You say, Pastor, does that mean um, sexually? Does that mean um, whatever? No, it just means you're free to love the real idea, concept of love, to care about the well-being of others, to care about others, to make sacrifices for the good of others. You are free to love. 1 John 4, 19. Why are we free to love? It says, we love because he first loved us. And so because God loves you, you can love others. And the question that is begged to be answered is, who can I love? You can love God because he loved you. You can love your enemies. You see, most of us aren't struggling with the freedom to love people that we like. 
But in Christ, you are free to love your enemies. In Christ, you're free to love people who are different than you. In Christ, you are free to love your family. That's a concept. You're free to love your family in Christ. You're free to love your spouse in Christ. You're free to love your neighbor in Christ. You are free to love. And because we've experienced God's love and because we love others and because we're free to love, we are also free to be uh, righteous. That's a strange concept. You are free to be righteous. Romans 5.17. It says, because of one man's sin, that's Adam, death reigned from that one man. Much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness. They will reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. So in sin, we are unrighteous. Righteousness is is perfection. It is right standing with God. And so in Jesus, we are free to be righteous. The Bible says that God made Jesus, who knew no sin, to become our sin. So that in Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. So that means in Christ, you are seen as righteous. Not because of your righteous acts or deeds, but you are seen as righteous because of Jesus' perfect obedience and faith and trust to the Father. Because of Jesus giving to us his righteousness and taking from us our sins, we are now righteous in God's sight. And because of that righteousness, here's the greatest two of all. Because of the righteousness we have in Christ, you are free to be in relationship with God. You can have relationship with God. If there was no heaven, I would still desire to serve Jesus because I want relationship with God. If there was nothing in it for me outside of relationship with God, relationship with God is and would be enough in Jesus. You are free to be in relationship with God. Romans 5.11 says, We rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, whom we have now received reconciliation. Jesus has reconciled you to relationship with God. So God is not far off. God is not far away. God is not non-existent. God is not distant. God is not on a cloud throwing lightning. But you can be in relationship as you were intended to be with the God of all creation. And because you're in relationship with him, here's something else you're free to do. Hebrews 4.16, the Bible says, Let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace, that we may receive mercy, that we might find grace to help us in our time of need. In Christ, you're free to go before the throne of God. In Christ, that means you're free to pray. Oftentimes, people don't pray because they don't think they're worthy of prayer. They don't think that they can actually come before a holy God and bring him whatever it is that they need. But in Jesus, you are free to come before the throne of grace and to receive what you need. And so because of that, if you need mercy, come to God. If you need grace, come. He has plenty for you. He gives freely grace. He gives freely mercy. You can come before him in Jesus, and you can tell God how angry you are. You can tell God how frustrated you are 
that he allowed this and this and this to happen. Or maybe some of you think God caused this and this to happen. Or some of you think I caused this to happen because of my sin. Let God know. It's okay to be angry with and to come before God with your emotion and your expression. And God can meet you just as you are. And he can give you the mercy and the grace that you so desperately long for. You have confidence to go before the throne of God in Jesus Christ. And some of you need to do that today. Come before him. Just talk to him. You're free to come freely. So because we can come before the throne, we can tell him our needs. As, as Kim was just sharing, as she was leading us in worship songs, you are also free to worship. You're free to worship God. Now, you might say, well, I don't really like worship. But worship isn't just songs or music. Worship is how you work. Worship is how you treat your kids. Worship is how you treat your spouse. Worship is giving and doing anything that you do for the purpose and the glory of God. There's freedom in worship. And in worship, you can experience transformation. That's why it says that where the Spirit of the Lord is in 2 Corinthians, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. So I did watch some of our our teenagers here at Free Church and Free Generation Youth on Friday entering into freedom of expression of worship and Um, I don't like to enter into freedom of expression of worship where there's people. But there's something magnificent about where the Spirit of God is. All of a sudden, there is freedom to be able to express yourself before him regardless of what's going on around you. And so you have freedom to worship. And then the last few things you're free to do. In Christ, you're free to live. Romans 6.23 says, The wages of sin is death, but the free free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. So if we're free from death and hell, what's the opposite? The opposite of death and hell is eternal life in Christ. And a lot of us, this is why we submit our lives to Jesus, so we can essentially get a get into heaven free And it's good to want to be with Jesus for eternity. But I'm telling you, God has more for you than just heaven someday. God has his kingdom for you now. And so this faith that we have in Jesus, it's not just freedom to live on a cloud one day and play a harp. It is freedom to live life today. Freedom to live life, as Jesus says, life abundantly or life to the full, life of vitality. And so this life that we live is a life lived unto God, not just for tomorrow, but a life that you can live for today. You are free to live, free to live. The next couple weeks we're going to be talking about here at Free Church, this idea, um, opposing this idea that you only live once, but in fact you live forever. So because you live forever, we ought to live freely because We are free to live abundantly in Christ. The last two. Because of this freedom you have in Jesus, you are free to obey. That seems strange. You're free to obey. You are free to abstain from sin. We'll look at this passage from Romans 6. Paul says, if we have been unified with Jesus in a death like his... We shall certainly be unified with Jesus in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing 
so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. I want to say that again. You are not in Christ. You are not enslaved to sin. For one who has died has been set free from sin. How many of you are dead today? Like, wait, those who have died. But what the scripture is telling us is that in Christ, when we are in him, when we trust in him, it's as if our old self died. And so those who have died are set free from sin. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. Someday, far off, not today. We believe that in Christ we will live with him. We know that Jesus Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over Jesus. For the death Jesus died, he died to sin once and for all. It's done. It's finished, he said. But the life he lives... He lives to God now. So you also must consider yourself dead to sin and alive in Christ. So when you're tempted to sin, now, tomorrow, two minutes from now, next week, oftentimes when I'm tempted to sin, when when sin comes knocking at my door, when condemnation and shame chases me down, sometimes I have to verbally remind myself Anthony, you're dead to that. You're dead to who you were. You're dead to what you desire to do. You are crucified with Christ. You don't live anymore. You're alive in Christ, and because you are alive in him, because you're free to live, you have dominion over sin in Jesus. You now have freedom to obey him, and you have freedom to abstain from the sin that constantly leads you away from God. You're not enslaved to sin. Instead, you're free to obey. You're not enslaved to sin. You are actually free to abstain from sin. And oftentimes when I'm interacting with non-believers, people that don't trust in Jesus, yet they'll say, if I give my life to Christ, then I don't get to sin anymore. I get that. But the view is wrong. Instead, if I surrender my life to Jesus, then I don't have to sin anymore then sin does not have dominion over me any longer. You might say, well, pastor, don't we all still sin as Christians? And the answer is yes and yes and yes, we do. But when someone loves Jesus, when someone is free in Jesus, when someone is free from sin, death, and hell, when someone is free to live, to love, to worship, to pray, when someone has that freedom, when we do sin, the Spirit of God lovingly convicts us. So that we repent and turn from that sin and we stand up and we continue to follow even when it gets tough. And it is. So you're free to abstain. And lastly, because because God has so freely given us these things. Because we're free in Christ. Because we're free from these things. Because we're free to do things. We ought to freely give back. You are free to serve. You are free to give your life. You are free to set others free. Jesus in Matthew 10 says to the disciples, and we can have it be an extension to us, he says, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse lepers, cast out demons. You have received without pain. Give without pain. 
Nothing we have is ours. It's all something that God allows us to steward. He gives freely to us. And because of that, we can freely give back to the world. Here's what I've learned about giving back. It seems that sometimes the more we give, the more he gives. And sometimes Christianity has gotten that wrong. Like, oh, if you give this, then you'll have this. You'll drive this. You'll live in this. You'll you'll be in this relationship. That's not how the economy of God works. It's if you give this, then God gives more so that you can give more. And it's this strange cycle of sowing and reaping so that you can begin to sow even more than you did before. It's not so that you can walk in abundance of worldly wealth, but it's so that you can give even more because we've been given so freely. So you're free in Christ. You're free from sin, death, and hell. You are free of shame. You're free to do so many things. And all this is free. It's free to us. Salvation is a free gift of God in Jesus Christ. But this freedom is not cheap. This freedom cost the Son of God everything. It cost him his life. It cost him the connection that he had as God to God. As he cried out on the cross, taking my sin, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? As he looked at the crowd who crucified him and said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. This gift in, from, and to things is free in Jesus Christ. One more time, Romans 6.23, we've read it now. This is the third time. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God. God gives freely. The free gift of God is eternal life in Christ. It's a free gift. That's why John 3.16, the the most known verse in the entire world, God so loved the world that he did what? He gave. He gave his only son. Whosoever believes won't perish, but have everlasting life. It is a gift that is given. And we call this gift grace. And the reason we call it grace is because grace is getting exactly what you don't deserve. We deserve death, but Jesus gives us life. We deserve separation from God, but God draws us near to his throne. Grace is getting what you don't deserve. It's free. Grace is only, and it's ever only free. So when someone gives you such a wonderful, free, abundant gift of what we call grace, what do you do with that? How do you receive it? How how am I saved? How am I forgiven? How am I free? You're free in Christ because he gives freely when we receive in faith. You must receive what God gives. God gives freely. The, The call is out to the world that he so loves, but we must believe. We must trust in him. And so the very last verse of the day, and if you could begin to bow your heads, close your eyes, and I'll call our worship team up. It's in Ephesians 2, 8, and 9. It says this, For by grace you have been saved. Through faith. 
For by grace you have been saved through faith. So if you can imagine or picture Jesus on the cross dying for the wrath of God on my sin, your sin, our sin. As a free gift that he extends and gives. It's called grace. To receive that, it's to trust that he is who he said he was, the son of God. God in the flesh, born of a virgin, who lived a perfect life, who fulfilled all the law and the prophecies of the scriptures of old, who comes to be a blessing to the nations of the world and redeem and reconcile them to God. That's who he is. To receive his gift, you trust in that. To receive his gift, you trust that what he did on the cross was enough. He bore my shame. He bore my punishment. He took the wrath of the Father on himself. And I trust in that, that that was enough. To receive this gift of grace, this gift of the freedom to live in Christ, it is to trust. It's to believe that Christ raised from the dead. And because he raised from the dead, death no longer has dominion over us, and we are now free to live in Christ. And so it's trusting. The resurrection happened. The resurrection is for me. The resurrection was for the world. And Jesus says, if anyone would come after me, if anyone would be my disciples, let him deny himself, pick up his cross, and follow me. That means you have to be willing to trust in Christ even at the cost of your own life. And I understand we don't live in a time and a place in the world or human history where that seems like that's even plausible, but I'm telling you it is and always has been. Are you willing to even go to the death to have trust and faith in Jesus Christ? Because that's what he calls us to. And in doing so, what he's doing is he's asking us to lay down our life and to pick up his. To lay down our old life and to pick up a new life in Christ, a new and resurrected life in Jesus. So if you're here today and you say, um, I, don't, I don't know Jesus. I know church, I know Easter, I know religious holidays. All those things are nice. But it would be an utter waste of every second we've spent here today if it wasn't real. If this wasn't legit. If Christ has not risen from the dead, Scripture says, like, this is, this is ridiculous. But he has. And we're still, we're still celebrating it 2,000 years later. And he's returning. He's coming to judge the living and the dead. He is coming to restore heaven and earth. He is coming to live with his people so that he can be our God and we can be his. That's what's taking place. And Jesus invites you to come. Come, he says. If you're weary, if you're heavy laden, he says, come, I'll give you rest. And I've been following Jesus for 23 years. I have more questions about Jesus now than I did 23 years ago. And if you'd say, well, Pastor, I would love to give my life to Jesus, but I don't have the answers. I don't, I don't know the Bible from cover to cover. I don't have my life figured out. I don't have my life in order. That's the beauty of Jesus. He doesn't ask us to do those things. He just asks for trust. 
So what does it mean to trust in Jesus? And if, if I could say it with one word, here it is. Help. Help. Jesus, you're all I've got. Help me. Save me. Jesus, I, I surrender. I give you my life. I don't have it all figured out, but I know that I want to know you. I know that you're calling me to love you because you loved me first. And as you take that step of surrender and that trust in Jesus Christ, the Spirit of God dwells within you, and he grows you, and he changes you. And so that's why we're not preaching a message of behavior change. We're preaching a message of relationship change, relationship with God. Because God is the one who changes behavior. Because I've tried to change my behavior. That doesn't work out. But when I push into Jesus, he changes it to align more with him. So don't change your behavior today. Change your relationship with God and trust in him and allow him. Die to yourself and allow him to change whatever he wants to change in you. Whether it's your behavior, your attitude. But what I know he wants to change most of all is your heart. See, if you'd say, I don't know Jesus, but today I'd like to surrender to him. Would you just cry out in your own words, in your own voice, Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender my life to you. I lay down my life to pick up yours. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. If you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. So Jesus, I believe. I don't understand, but I believe. Jesus, I confess, you're, you're now in charge. If you do that and with your own words begin to cry out to God, thanking him for his forgiveness, thanking him for what you're free of, from, and to. I'd love for you to let us know. There's some cards in the backs of your chairs. I won't have you run to the altar or stand up or raise your hand, but there's some cards in the back of your chairs. You just fill that out and let us know you, you surrender your life to Jesus today. We would just love to be praying for you. We won't bug you. Just love to be praying for you. I might just send you an email say, what, what can we do to help? Or maybe you know and love Christ, but you're recommitting your life to Jesus today because you've strayed from him. Let us know that. We'd love to celebrate that recommitment you've made to Jesus. And as you surrender your life to Christ and as you recommit your life to the Jesus you've already surrendered to, one thing we do as followers of Jesus, Jesus tells us to be baptized. Uh, that's, what this, that's why we have a trough on Easter Sunday. Animals are not coming to drink. We're going coming, we're coming to we're, we're baptize and celebrate baptism today. Um, baptism represents this freedom in Jesus. It represents death to our old self. When we go under the water, it represents the body of Jesus that died and was buried. And when we come out of the water, it represents new life in Jesus. Baptism doesn't make you a Christian. It doesn't wash away your sins. It doesn't get you into heaven. It doesn't forgive you of sins, and it does not make you a member of a church. Baptism is just this outward celebratory sign of what Christ has already done. And we do it because Scripture tells us to. And so as we sing this last song, we, we have the honor of um, baptizing someone today to celebrate new life in Jesus. Um, in our next service, we're going to be baptizing several people to celebrate life in Jesus. And if you'd like to be baptized in water, take that next step in your faith with Christ, you can let us know on that card as well. Even if you'd like to be baptized today on Easter Sunday, if you stick around at 11 o'clock, our next service, we're going to be doing baptisms. We'd love to celebrate with you. Our next baptism will be in July. Would you guys stand as I pray, and then we're going to celebrate with one song and baptism, and Paula will come up and dismiss you here in just a minute. God, I thank you for your word. I pray that today, as it has been heard, that we would be filled with faith, faith in you. Thank you, Jesus, for your life, death, and resurrection. 
Thank you, Jesus, for new life in you. Thank you for the freedom that we possess in you. It's for that freedom you set us free. God, if we desire to submit again to the, to the burden of the slavery to sin or death or hell, may we be reminded once again of the freedom we already have in you. In Jesus' name we pray.